person who doesn't mind seeming like they're they're not perfect. No, I don't have a choice. Who is Jennifer Lawrence really? The cool girl who can hang with the guys she long acted like in public appearances, or the steely, resilient, and deep heroine she's often played on screen? I'll find him. Girl, I've been looking. I said I'll find him. With many of the world's biggest movie stars, you can see a connection between their on-screen and off-screen personas. The version of themselves presented in talk show appearances, interviews, and public-facing engagements may not be real, but it at least feels related to their most iconic characters and some essence of the person we enjoy in their performances. But Lawrence has often presented a public image that's strikingly different from her characters. When I'm on a, on a press tour, I really drink a lot. The characters who launched her fame are serious, tough, and determined Artemis types like Katniss Everdeen and Mystique, or else they're unpredictable and high-maintenance like Tiffany in Silver Linings Playbook and Rosalind in American Hustle. I could take Danny. You know that most of your work is illegal, and you know that if you tried to divorce me, you know that I'm not saying that I would, but I'm saying that I could. Yet for a long time, her public persona seemed packaged as the ultimate cool girl, the effortlessly funny, junk food-eating guys girl who's not polite and uptight like those normal girls. You look very fit and skinny yourself, but you said I'm tired really? of seeing the skinny in Hollywood. Thanks. That feels great because I just ate a Philly cheesesteak. And while at first J-Law's persona singled her out as a special unicorn in Hollywood, the appeal of the cool girl shtick ultimately wore off. So Lawrence met with a media backlash, finding herself criticized for being calculated and fake. Now, Lawrence is entering a new, more adult phase of her public profile. And what's proving to endure about her in the public mind is less anything that happened on a talk show and more her credibility as a great actress known for embodying female strength. And not in cardboard superhero roles, but in deeply human ones. You have to be there for her, do you understand? Here's our take on how Lawrence's movie persona has thankfully outlasted her public persona, and which J-Law is the real one that audiences continue to relate to over time. It was nice acting. You too. If you're new here, be sure to subscribe and click the bell to be notified about all of our new videos. In her career as a movie star, Jennifer Lawrence has essentially honed two different personas, movie J-Law and off-screen J-Law. Of course, neither is likely a real representation of who Lawrence really is deep down. One's shaped by the types of roles and collaborators she's chosen, while the other's shaped by how she showcases a version of herself and how fans in the media receive that version. She's the coolest chick you'll ever she meet. Did, yes. I was not intimidated. So how did these two people come to be created? Though Lawrence was a child actor on TV, she became a star through a progression of four starring roles released between 2010 and 2012. Ree in Winter's Bone established her as a tough, resilient, independent, and resourceful young woman in a very difficult situation. My dad's Jessup. He's pals with little Arthur, and I gotta find him. And put her on the map as a serious actor, getting her nominated for the Best Leading Actress Oscar at 20. Then Mystique in X-Men First Class and Katniss Everdeen in the first Hunger Games movie both built on her Winter's Bone character and placed it in a more fantastical and traditionally exciting context, reaching larger mainstream audiences. And Tiffany in Silver Linings Playbook showed a more comedic side of Lawrence while still highlighting plenty of dramatic moments. I'm just the crazy slut with a dead husband. <laughs> Enough to win her the Academy Award for Best Actress. Lawrence has done plenty of movies since her Oscar in 2013, but much of her subsequent work is related to one of those four performances. She did three more Hunger Games movies and three more X-Men movies, following the evolution of Katniss and Mystique. 
She also did two more movies with David O. Russell, the director of Silver Linings Playbook. And while Winter's Bone doesn't have a direct follow-up, she's made several more movies where she attempts to use her toughness and resilience to weather a bad situation she's found herself in. Ree, Mystique, Katniss, and Tiffany also share some common ground with each other. In both Winter's Bone and The Hunger Games, she appoints herself as a protector of her family members, especially younger siblings. Listen, you're gonna be okay. In Winter's Bone, Rhea attempts to track down the wayward father who's putting her home at risk, as she's clearly become the leader of her impoverished family. What's all the guns? She's teaching a little bit of survival. Katniss enters the Hunger Games not because her name is actually called to participate in the barbaric fight to the death competition, but because she voluntarily takes the place of her younger sister. I volunteer as tribute! Though both roles have Lawrence playing a tough, brave character, she's not really a traditional badass action hero. Her characters have noticeable depth and are driven by a serious sense of social responsibility. I got a little brother and little sister, 12 and 6. Well, who's taking care of them right now? In these movies, both of which take place largely in more rural environments, Lawrence essentially embodies the Greek goddess Artemis, goddess of nature, wildlife, and hunting, often depicted with a bow and arrow, just like Katniss, and taking responsibility for the innocent and vulnerable. Rhea is easy to read as a hard scrabble, backwoods version of Artemis. This is Daddy's squirrel gun. Now, the most important thing is do not Put your finger on the trigger unless you're ready to shoot and you're aimed at your target. This emotional, spiritual component to these characters makes both Rhee and Katniss easy for audiences to love and relate to. And we can at least imagine ourselves in this position more so than as a glib, badass action hero killing machine. Even the more traditionally badass Mystique from the X-Men movies has this side to her. In the earlier X-Men movies from the 2000s, Mystique is mostly portrayed as a henchwoman, a ruthless assistant to Magneto who will do whatever it takes to advance his cause. But the Jennifer Lawrence version of Mystique is more conflicted about her desire to fight for mutant pride and her desire to protect those she loves. You're her. It's a hero. I'm nobody. I'm not a hero. Let's get out of here. She becomes a badass soldier in the fight for mutant rights, but the heart of her character is the frustration she feels with her adopted brother, Charles Xavier, the attachment she feels to the other X-Men, I am not putting this team in more danger, and her desire to protect mutant kind from the worst humans. Like Rhea and Katniss, she fights for a cause, even when she feels ambivalent about certain aspects of her job. Tiffany from Silver Linings Playbook doesn't fight anyone, at least not physically. In a certain light, Silver Linings Playbook looks like a romantic comedy. You love me. Yeah, I do. And it's probably the closest Lawrence has come to doing the kinds of rom-coms and lighter dramas that made stars out of other beloved all-American actresses like Julia Roberts, Sandra Bullock, and Anne Hathaway. In Silver Linings Playbook, Tiffany might seem like a dream woman. She's beautiful, funny, tough, and seems dedicated to the male hero even when he doesn't realize how much he loves her. But she also deals with depression and grief after being widowed at a young age, and her coping mechanisms can get messy. How'd you lose your job? Having sex with everybody in the office. Everybody? I was very depressed after Tommy died. It was a lot of people. And the movie is upfront about how much of a burden and stigma she carries because of her mental illness. And while the film is romantic, it's memorable more for its character's goofy, outlandish, challenging behavior than cute Meg Ryan-esque antics. Given the roles that catapulted her to stardom, you might expect Lawrence to take herself seriously off-screen. But as her star rose in the early 2010s, Lawrence also became famous for her looser, sillier talk show appearances. I wanted to look cute, and look what, I can't even repeat it, like... <laughs> I, 
it's, it's, my whole face is just crooked. It's a, it's a, it almost seemed like a deliberate contrast to the steely, protective nature of Katniss or Mystique. On TV, Lawrence came across as a cool girl, the sexy fantasy version of the girl next door, someone who is relatable and accessible, but also gorgeous, laid back, and understanding. Cool girl is hot. Cool girl is gay. Cool girl is fun. As a talk show cool girl, Lawrence did a lot of stuff that she wasn't doing in the movies, cracking jokes, making fun of herself, and puncturing the supposed glamour of these big movie star situations. She talked a lot about eating junk food, the old cool girl standby of professing not to care about eating right while maintaining a desirable figure. Right now I'm thinking about buffalo wings, maybe chicken wings. I guess potato skin, load of potato skins. I could keep going. She became friendly with comedian Amy Schumer. We are thrilled to be here together to present clips from our favorite films nominated for motion picture comedy. Yes. Please turn your phone off. <laughs> who in turn called her the coolest chick in her own talk show interviews. She tripped over her dress at the Oscars and looked more relatable than ever. But during all this, she wasn't pursuing this image in her movie career. Though movies like Silver Linings Playbook and American Hustle have funny moments that might make her look cool, they're embedded in movies about mental illness, family drama, crime, and deception. Lawrence's characters are very funny to watch, but they're by no means some kind of low-maintenance male fantasy. They're incredibly messy. I do this time after time after time. I do all this shit for other people. And then I wake up and, and I'm empty. I have nothing. What are you talking about? You seem like you're a tough girl to me. Well, you just do things on your own. So it was as if Lawrence was trying out a more accessible version of herself on talk shows to complement her serious roles and make sure we knew that in real life, she was actually chill. And for a while, this worked like a charm. And then I came to the Oscars. <laughs> I'm sorry, I did a shot before I... <laughs> Yes, eventually, public opinion on Lawrence's public persona seemed to shift not unlike the negative attention received by Anne Hathaway a little bit earlier. Hathaway and Lawrence won their Academy Awards on the same night in 2013, and they were sometimes implicitly pitted against each other in the media. Hathaway was portrayed as the striving, affected, try-hard who said cringe-worthy things accepting her Oscar. It came true. <laughs> while Lawrence would keep it real by embracing her own stumbles at that very same awards ceremony. What went through my mind? Yeah. Hold down. Uh, a, a bad word that I can't say <laughs> that starts with F. But a couple of years later, around 2015, Lawrence received criticism similar to those that Hathaway received, that her public persona had started to feel contrived or even downright fake, that she was playing a part while pretending to be sincere. The fact that both Hathaway and Lawrence got bad press for their seemingly opposite public personas illustrates a problem with how the media and public pick apart the public aspects of celebrity personas. Because as much as talk show and awards appearances do include a form of performance, it's not necessarily fair to analyze them in the same way. It's a little strange to criticize Lawrence for her fake cool girl persona because it's assuming a level of calculation that is ultimately impossible to prove. Just as it would be presumptuous to say that an actor is really just playing herself in a movie. This is me. Some actors avoid this intensely personal criticism by being men, who are generally less scrutinized in these sorts of interactions than women. Others avoid it by using promotional appearances to offer an extension of their movie or TV personas. Tom Hanks seems like he really is a decent guy who will do the right thing, just like many of his characters. Kristen Stewart seems like she really is a thoughtful, angsty person. Ryan Reynolds does seem like a wisecracking goofball. You know what, though? You know what my wife does? doesn't realize though? 
is that she calls me mama too. That's what made Lawrence's interviews especially interesting. They were so strikingly different from her movie star persona. Despite the accusations of calculation, her talk show appearances could be her real personality shining through. Or she could have been playing up that side of herself out of a desire not to be confused with her steelier, more badass characters, who might inspire high expectations or seem a little heavy in terms of a person to hang out with or watch on a talk show. If we burn, you burn with us. She might have wanted to assure her audience that she really is relatable and fun in contrast to her serious star vehicles. It's not uncommon for women known for playing badass characters, like Amelia Clark, who's known as ferocious, rarely smiling Daenerys on Game of Thrones, to remind their fans that they can laugh and goof around, emphasizing both the range of their acting and how non-threatening they can appear in real life. But the problem with critiquing persona performance is that, unlike with a movie or TV show, the goal of the performance isn't always clear. Whatever the reason for J-Law's persona disconnect, the cool girl was steadily falling out of favor. Around the late 2015 release of Joy, an ambitious comedy drama that received mixed reviews, the reactions to Lawrence off-screen were becoming more mixed, too. Different branches of the same publication released articles about her 100 most delightful moments and the idea that her occasional red carpet trips might have been faked. But while some of her subsequent movies being less beloved than Silver Linings Playbook or The Hunger Games might have also hurt her public reputation, it seemed like at least some people were more sick of her off-screen antics than her on-screen performances. Even Joy attracted a pretty big audience for a movie about a woman inventing a mop, and got Lawrence another Oscar nomination. So why did people get sick of one J-Law but not the other? Talks like a man, but pH balance for a woman. It's Jennifer Lawrence. They told me not to do a game show, but I was like, screw it, I can have fun, I'm a regular person. Perhaps audiences felt more aware of tropes like the cool girl, as laid out in exacting detail in the book and movie Gone Girl. I drank canned beer watching Adam Sandler movies. I ate cold pizza and remained a size two. The monologue written by Gillian Flynn makes it explicit that the cool girl is not actually always about being relatable and fun for other women. It's about acting a certain way to please, flatter, and seduce heterosexual men by telling them that they can hold out hope for a woman who's traditionally beautiful, but otherwise just like them, and unlikely to call them out on their BS. Cool girl never gets angry at her man. In 2018, Anne Helen Peterson wrote the article, Jennifer Lawrence is a prisoner of her cool girl image, about how the cool girl persona became an albatross for Lawrence that led to her not being given serious respect, despite a career that clearly warranted it. After all, coolness is contingent on youth, on carelessness, on not asking other people to take you seriously because you don't take yourself seriously. We get there and I'm like, where's the pizza? The cool girl persona around J-Law also seemed to take on a life of its own far out of her control. Peterson observed that the media and viral internet tended to pick up certain aspects of her behavior while conveniently ignoring others. Quote, whenever she did something that seemed to confirm the cool girl core of her image, sending dub smashes to Robert De Niro, forgetting to chill the rosé because she's new money, or talking about her vacation alter ego, Gail, who basically just sounds like a frat bro, it came across as performative. But when Lawrence did or said something that undercut the familiar image, dating a dude who dresses like the drama teacher on a Disney Channel sitcom, agreeing to star in a deeply weird allegorical movie, writing a 
post for Lenny Letter about insisting on equal pay for American Hustle, it was ridiculed, ignored, or, in the case of advocating for equal pay, ineffective in changing the way people thought of her. In reality, all these examples suggest that the personality Lawrence revealed to us was always more well-rounded than plenty of gifts and articles suggested. As Peterson pointed out, a cool girl isn't supposed to get angry, but Lawrence has, rightly, when speaking about the 2014 hacking and non-consensual sharing of her private photos, or when addressing sexism in her industry. If we aren't paid equally, then why would we, why would women be expected to be treated equally? Jennifer Lawrence movie characters, too, have no problem getting angry. Right now, I'm feeling like blowing me a clean hole through your guts. Which is actually part of what's exciting and charismatic about them. In contrast to cool girls, they often seem unconcerned with people-pleasing, like Katniss or Mystique. Thank you for your consideration. Or unapologetically themselves, like Tiffany from Silver Linings or Rosalind from American Hustle. And you know that I would never say anything bad about your father in front of you, but your father is a sick son of a bitch. Their ideals feel like their own, not reflections of someone else's desires. Their realness doesn't feel like the product of putting on airs or trying to be more endearing or likable. And ultimately, that's a lot more compelling to most of us than a more limiting male fantasy image. Toward the end of the 2010s, J-Law made herself more scarce. When her movie Don't Look Up came to Netflix at the end of 2021, it was the first time she appeared in a movie in two and a half years. It was a comet. It's headed directly at Earth and it really likely will hit. And that previous appearance in 2019's X-Men sequel, Dark Phoenix, was more of a supporting role. Her last real starring role had been in Red Sparrow, which came out in early 2018, a nearly four-year gap. When she returned, she speculated that people had probably grown sick of her. I'd gotten sick of me, she added. Lawrence's pregnancy limited some of her publicity tour for Don't Look Up, and when she did make the rounds, she certainly gave some seemingly candid interviews that felt like the J-Law everyone knew and once loved. What did you do for the last three years. I just have a ton of sex. <laughs> but even if she hasn't completely dropped that cool girl side of herself, Lawrence seems to be letting her work speak more for itself. This is a natural part of getting older in the public eye and deciding how much space to keep as private as possible. But Lawrence is also well positioned to let her work speak for her because her work itself says some interesting things about public personas and people pleasing, if you look closely. You're excited. You're in love. Big smiles for the camera in three. In fact, some of Lawrence's most notable performances and characters exhibit a fair amount of skepticism about, and friction with, exactly the same issues cited with her cool girl persona, especially the idea that women are supposed to act a certain way to please or serve others. Mystique has the power to shapeshift into an imitation of anyone in the world, but she comes into conflict with Charles Xavier because she is mutant and proud and doesn't want to hide her natural appearance. Mutant and proud or accept injustice. I've seen too many friends die. Katniss Everdeen volunteers for the Hunger Games, but she does it to save her sister, not to appease the power-hungry figures who run the capital. Her participation in the games embroils her in a lot of ridiculous pageantry, and she chafes at this play acting, ultimately only playing along in order to topple their regime. When the rebel side overthrows the capital, she's disgusted to learn that her leaders also engage in deception in order to secure their victory. Was it ours? The bomb? The delayed explosion, the trap, 
and she doesn't just accept a continuation of the same status quo. In Red Sparrow, she plays a ballet dancer who uses her body and her determination to become a deadly spy, once again for the sake of protecting her family. In doing so, she uses a sexy and constructed image against men. Even when the stakes are not at life and death levels, Lawrence's characters often explore the inherent divide between who we present as and who we really are, and whether that gap can be bridged. Tiffany from Silver Linings Playbook knows that people look at her a certain way based on her past behavior and attempts to enter a new phase of self-acceptance. There's always gonna be a part of me that's sloppy and dirty, but I like that. She combines elements of Lawrence's public persona, being messier than a normal, glammed-up actress, and her on-screen persona of a tough woman who attempts to do things on her own terms. Throughout the J-Law filmography, her characters are very aware of what is expected of them and eventually tend to reject or undermine those expectations, even if they seemed willing to to play along for a time. And this may be a real reflection of Lawrence herself, too. Some of her real-life anecdotes seem very aware of the ways that behavior can be performative. She's given interviews where she talks about her funny antics as stemming from that alter ego persona named Gail, a wild risk taker who emerges when she's had too much rum to drink. I don't always turn into this masculine alter ego that like jumps into shark, shark ridden waters just to make my friends laugh. So what about the latest J-Law performances? Though Lawrence was less visible in the promotional rounds for Don't Look Up, she shares the movie's top billing with Leonardo DiCaprio. She plays Kate, a grad student and scientist who cannot adapt to the idiocy of the media cycle as she attempts to warn people about imminent catastrophe. The entire planet is about to be destroyed. Her professor, played by DiCaprio, does his best to work within the system, but Kate is too frustrated by political glad-handing, empty-headed talk shows, and social media snark. Kate actually seems like a cool girl type. She's not glamorous, she's a little messy, and spends a lot of time hanging out with men, but she gets pilloried online for acting crazy on TV and delivering an uncool message people really don't want to hear. Maybe the destruction of the entire planet isn't supposed to be fun. Though the movie is an allegory for climate change, it also feels at least partially like an expression of the frustration an actor might feel over their image being removed from their control. Ultimately, Kate isn't trying to be cool. She's a woman trying her best and not succeeding in getting taken seriously even when she has the most important news ever to share. She connects with the disaffected youth and, and the mentally ill. All told, it seems pretty likely that Lawrence's talk show persona and steelier on-screen characters are both probably expressions of elements of herself. But maybe audiences could sense the strain and pressure of the talk show persona and have identified more with the depth, nuance, and resolve of her on-screen work. It seems that Lawrence herself felt that way too, and now feels more comfortable conveying these different aspects of herself more through her films, rather than trying too hard to seem relatable. Clearly, there's something about the person inside these characters that continues to compel us on our movie screens. And ultimately, part of what attracts us to performers is that we can't really say for sure who they are when the camera stops. I ain't going anywhere. This is The Take on your favorite movie shows and culture. Subscribe so you can watch all of our videos. Thanks again to Mubi for sponsoring today's video. As a special gift to our viewers, Mubi is offering 30 days free. So click the link in the description below to start streaming now. This month, Mubi is presenting three shorts by Andrea Arnold, one of our all-time favorite directors here at The Take. 
Ahead of the release of Arnold's forthcoming documentary, Cow, Mubi is shining a light on her fantastic early work, including her Oscar-winning short, Wasp, which we've shouted out in multiple videos. If you're anything like me, these days, you may be totally uninspired and stuck when it comes to figuring out what to watch next. Subscribing to Mubi completely fixes that. Their team of curators handpicks every film they show, so there's always something new to discover. They seriously love movies as much as we do, so their recommendations are always top-notch. Click the link in the description below to get 30 days of movie now.